Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani welcoming you to another session of self-coaching, where real life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. Welcome back to another week and another self-coaching attempt to bring solace, happiness, and all those good things to your life. I'm sure you've heard the definition of insanity, right? It's doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Well, I'm going to apply that to struggle, particularly neurotic struggle. If you do the same thing over and over, why would you expect to be happy? Now, today we're going to discuss what are those things that you're doing inadvertently that are fueling your unhappiness, your struggle, your suffering. But like the adage goes, if you do the same thing, expecting different results, well, that's the definition of not just insanity, which is really a misnomer, but of neurotic suffering. So we need to change. Now, today we need to talk specifically about what you need to change. Well, think about it for a second. If you could change just something about you, your personality, what would it be? Would it be you don't want to be so fearful? shy, worrisome, you want more tolerance, you're unhappy, you're anxious, you're depressed. Now ask yourself, well, how different would your life be if you could change those things? Ah, if only, right? And I know, I know, you've tried many, many times, and you just keep repeating the same old, same old. But now you need to ask, why haven't you been able to change? You know, it's like the, the worrisome patient that says to me, you don't think I've tried to stop worrying? I've tried thousands of times. Well, yeah, sometimes we do try, but we're not getting results. Now, sometimes we do try, no question, but we're just not getting results. And the reason being is because of habits and specifically habits of insecurity, which we will be discussing, as I usually do. I know it's, sometimes a broken record is very important. We need to repeat certain themes. And if you follow my podcast, there are certain themes that need to be reinforced over and over. Sometimes they need to sink in. Sometimes we need to drill those into your psyche. But nevertheless, we're talking about habits and habits of insecurity. So on some level, if you struggle, I want you to accept the premise that you struggle because you're reinforcing, you're still reinforcing habits of insecurity. What's a habit? Well, a habit is simply a behavior with a history of repetition. We've done it over and over for weeks, for months, for years, for a lifetime. 
And this repeated thinking, this repeated behavior, requires little thought, becomes reflexive, and it is learned. All habits are learned, and as you will hear today, all habits can be broken. But there's two keys here that I want you to grasp from the beginning. One is that habits take little or no thought. So why is that? Well, because they become, as I said, reflexive, just sometimes below the level of consciousness. We just react a certain way. And they are learned. Two ingredients of habits that are very important. You may have heard of behaviorism, typically ascribed to B.F. Skinner back in the 50s. But Skinner was... was specifically influenced by Edward Thorndike. And Thorndike proposed what was called the law of effect. And he suggested that responses closely followed by satisfaction, they tend to become more firmly attached and they're likely to reoccur. The law of effect. So if you decide to go to work early every morning, and your boss is there saying, wow, way to go, Joe. Nice, nice and early. The early bird catches the worm. And you're all aglow. And you go home and you decide, boy, that, that felt good. That felt satisfying. Well, there's a good chance you're going to try to repeat that. So the next morning comes, you go in early. The boss goes, wow, two days in a row. Way to go, Joe. <laughs> and, and I'm just... Can't glow any more than I'm glowing. And sooner or later, I just start becoming more and more, not only punctual, but early. A habit is now established. But we're not talking about positive habits today, are we? We're talking about destructive habits, habits that limit our personality, our enjoyment in life, habits that create struggle, and sometimes unrelenting habits, anxiety, worry, depression. Now, surely these, these habits are not followed by satisfaction, like the satisfaction I got from the boss. And if anything, rather than satisfaction, they cause distress. So we need to look more closely. And we need to understand how the satisfaction we get from our neurotic behavior may be a bit obtuse, if you will. And we kind of have to see around the corner to see why neurotic behavior, behavior that upsets us, is on some level satisfactory or on some level satisfying. Let me, let me tell you about a story, one of my personal stories. When I was uh, young, before kindergarten, probably around four years old, they didn't have uh, penicillin when I was born. They used sulfur drugs. And the sulfur drugs, drugs did something to my baby teeth. I guess they were corrupted. I don't know. But the dentist said, well, these teeth have to come out. And they came out, every single one of them. <laughs> and don't get me into my dental phobias, but... Uh, all my baby teeth came out. I had no teeth, four years old, going into kindergarten at five with no teeth. Now, this was 
quite embarrassing to me. Made me feel anxious. So the fact that I needed to do something to feel less anxious, I decided that, well, I didn't have to smile. And that led to kind of being more shy, kind of retreating, pulling away. What was the satisfaction? Well, the satisfaction was not being embarrassed. I found a way to control how I was treated rather than tormented. Long story, but the the the, the gum chewing that went on for the next year, uh, I didn't have teeth going into first grade. My gums had solidified. So at some point, the gums all had to be cut to allow the adult mature teeth to come through. But those few years where I had no teeth, I compensated the insecurity I felt, the anxiety I felt, by retreating, by becoming shy, by not engaging, pulling back. So I was protecting myself, but it was more satisfying that I wasn't being tormented. So you can see where the reinforcement comes in, sometimes not by positive things, but by the absence of negative things. Now, what about worry or being anxious? Where, where's the satisfaction there? Well, when we worry, when we're anxious, we're trying to do something about something that hasn't happened yet. We, we don't worry about things that happened yesterday. We worry about what's coming around that corner. What will we do? How will, how will we handle that? Now, since human beings do not have powers to handle future events, not in the present, the best we can do is to convince ourselves that somehow worrying is doing something. Well, I'm trying to figure it out. And, and what if this happens? And what if that happens? Well, because now you're doing something. So there's satisfaction in doing something rather than doing nothing. Now, what about depression? I mean, surely being bummed out isn't very satisfying, or is it? Huh, let's be curious. Let's say you find yourself getting behind on the job. Things are piling up at work. You're not having success socially, and everything you do seems to turn into another problem. You start to get depressed. You begin to withdraw, to insulate yourself, to anesthetize yourself. Maybe you start doing some drugs, alcohol. Now, where's the satisfaction in that? I mean, clearly, depression defies this logic that I'm perpetrating today. But think of a circuit breaker in your house. And what happens if you go around and you start plugging in hair dryers, toasters, air conditioners, and you keep plugging in more and more appliances, well, the wires are going to get heated up. And what happens when the wires get heated up? Well, the circuit breaker trips, shuts off the electric to the wires, saves your house from burning down. And that's kind of what depression does. It doesn't go around pulling out different appliances and different plugs, but what it does is it tends to shut down certain aspects of your life as you withdraw. You're paring down your life. You're minimizing, withdrawing, isolating, pulling yourself into yourself. And like the house circuit breaker, you're trying to prevent further meltdown. 
So whereas anxiety revs up the system and gets you wanting to go forward and figure things out, depression is just the opposite. It pulls you back to retreat from life. It's a capitulation to letting go and not being involved, becoming less involved. So where's the satisfaction? Well, the satisfaction comes from feeling insulated, just like me with my, my teeth. The satisfaction came from not experiencing the negatives. So that can be reinforcing. It's not always obvious. But the things that corrupt us, the things that turn our thinking into neurotic thinking, are things that are trying, at least ostensibly, trying to protect us. They're misguided attempts at protecting us from life. And clearly they are misguided. I mean, depression, anxiety, worry, these are misguided attempts to be safe, to be secure. But they are habituated attempts. And that's what's important. Over time, we start to reinforce certain tendencies, whether it be worry, whether it be anxiety, isolation, whatever it might be, as we reinforce those things that make us feel less vulnerable, they become habituated. And all emotional struggle is fueled by the learned, very important, is fueled by the learned historic habits of insecurity. Now, I'm not talking about circumstantial stress or anxiety. You know, sometimes we get clobbered by life, but there's, a, there's a, a real difference between life circumstances and neurotically driven circumstances. Take grief. When we lose someone, grief is a, an innate, normal reaction to that loss. There's a vacuum created in our life, a hole in our life that was once filled. And it's inexplicable to our thinking that we can imagine a person here one day and not being here another day. And grief is a reflexive response to that loss. Now, anyone losing a loved one can experience grief and loss, but not everyone will experience clinical depression, even though the symptoms may be very similar. Someone grieving may have limited capacity to engage life, to experience any joy, they may find it difficult to sleep, to think, to function. Whereas with clinical depression, it involves other symptoms, such as low self-esteem, pessimistic, negative thinking, even suicide. So grief, we feel that emptiness, that loss, and the longing for a loved one. But we still have an intact capacity to feel pleasure. With depression, that capacity has been diminished. But just to reiterate, we are talking about emotional struggle that's fueled by, and I want to come back to that very important word, learned historic habits of insecurity. Now, these habits have become reflexive. There's little or no conscious thought involved. can be, but oftentimes this is just the way we react the way we respond. Someone gives us a kind of uh, vague look and we interpret that as, what's wrong? Why, why don't they like me? 
you know, that insecurity pops in. It's not necessarily conscious. We're not deciding to feel insecurity. It's like a knee-jerk reflex. Now, the simple truth is that if you really want to change something or many things about your life, you can't continue to allow insecurity to be reinforced. That's the conditioning. We become conditioned, habituated, and if we keep reinforcing the habit, come on, what happens with a habit? If you reinforce it, what's going to happen? Of course it's going to grow, become stronger. So you can't change if you allow insecurity to become reinforced by reflexive, neurotic thinking. And these are the doubts, the fears, the negatives that go unchecked. They just keep you struggling. They never seem to get resolved. And this is equally important. What was learned can be unlearned. Thus, the title of my latest book, Unlearning Anxiety and Depression, the four-step self-coaching program to reclaim your life, a little unabashed <laughs> advertisement there. But it can be unlearned. Unlearning is a process of neutralizing reflexive, insecure living. So how do you do it? You do it by stopping and starving the habituated thinking. But, and there is a bud, you have to become conscious of what was and is reflexive. Now, something that's probably reflexive and just beneath the level of consciousness doesn't mean it's not retrievable, those thoughts especially if you're looking. See, the problem is that when we become habituated with the, the thinking of insecurity, the doubts, the fears, the negativity, we just react to those thoughts. But if you, if you take a second, a pause, and look at what's the thinking behind your reacting, you can, you can start to ferret out what's going on. You can see the fear the hand-wringing, the doubts, the negativity, the pessimism. You can see it if you look for it. But you have to catch yourself. You have to realize that the habit of insecurity will go unchecked if we sit back and reflexively just allow it to go on without any interference. So you have to stop the process, the reinforcing process of constantly adding insecurity-driven thinking to your life. And you need to replace it with uncontaminated, healthy thinking. So there's your work for you. You've got to catch yourself with the reflexiveness of insecurity, and then you need to take a step towards revising the way you interpret, think, or perceive yourself, your world, your thoughts. Sure, it'll take time, and you're going to have to chip away at it. Remember I said earlier, these are historic habits that have been laid down. They can go way back. You need to keep reversing the tide. You need to take time. It's going to take time. You need to chip away at long-standing habits. You've got to catch those doubts, the fears, the negatives. And then ask yourself, do I have a choice? Now, it may not seem obvious to you at first, but if you are applying your spotlight, your laser beam focus on what's going through your mind as you're experiencing struggle, you'll see these thoughts. 
And you'll see the neurotic flavor of these thoughts. Is this who you want to be? I don't think so. But if you are not aware of these thoughts, if they are reflexively, knee-jerk-wise, just creating the havoc in your life, they're going to go by unnoticed. You're just going to react, suffer, and struggle. Do not react, suffer, and struggle without at least digging your heels in, slowing down the process, and looking at those thoughts and asking yourself, do I have a choice? Do I have to have this anticipatory worry about something that may never happen? Do I have a choice? Now, you may certainly realize, yes, I have a choice, but you know what? I don't know how to stop worrying. Well, you you don't, you mean, maybe you don't know right now, but just knowing that you have a choice begins to put you in the proper orientation. And one time you might say, well, I'm going to choose to just step apart from that worry thought. I'm just going to let it go. Now, it may feel a little risky, but you need to take some risks once in a while. These thoughts, they may provide the satisfaction of giving you the illusion of safety. That's what insecurity does. It provides the illusion of safety with depression by shutting you down and withdrawing from life itself, with anxiety by anticipating and worrying about what's coming. It gives you the illusion that you're not so vulnerable. And that's the bottom line. Bottom line is you just don't want to be vulnerable. You don't want to be at risk in life. Of course not. Who does? We're survival machines. We value being safe. But the problem is you've allowed insecurity to think that the means or the way towards safety is the neurotic way of fear, of doubt, of negativity of protecting yourself from life before it comes, of distrusting your ability to handle life. And if you've listened to any of my podcasts, you know that self-distrust is the key to the reinforcement of insecurity. You see, without self-trust, you rely on the habits of insecurity to give you that illusion of safety. But with self-trust, uh, then everything gets shifted. And with self-trust, well, then you're in a position to say, you know what? I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to see what happens if I don't anticipate that meeting tomorrow. I'm just, I'm just going to refuse to think about that meeting. I'm going to show up at that meeting. And whatever happens, I'm going to handle it in the moment. Mm -hmm. That's the way out is to start finding small challenges where you can break the cycle of reflexive, habituated thinking. And once you start to gain self-trust, it becomes more and more self-evident. You self-coach yourself to stand up to insecurities, deceptions, insecurities, illusions, worries not doing anything for you. You can be concerned. Sure, be concerned. That deals with facts, not emotional fictions. Take care of yourself by realizing that you, you can handle life if you give yourself a chance. But it's going to feel risky at first because you're not used to it. You're used to reflexively using all your shields and armor of defensive insecurity-driven thinking. 
and you're not used to being present, letting life unfold, handling what comes your way when it comes your way. That's the courageous path. So since all habits are learned, and since all habits can be broken, you need to realize that if you struggle, if solace avoids you, then you are still corrupted by the cycle, the habit of insecurity-driven thinking. And insecurity-driven thinking is in control of your life. And you're not even that conscious of it. You, all you're conscious of that you're suffering. But it's the insecurity that has you rather than the other way around. So to turn it around, there's only one way, and it only makes common sense, and that's to wrestle insecurity from the steering wheel of your life and start imposing your will. Now, okay, what's your will? Well, think about it. What's the mature, healthy response? Figure that out and see how far away you are from really maintaining or accepting that mature response. How far away are you from risking that mature response? Yeah, maybe it feels a little risky not to worry. But how far away are you from taking that risk? You see, because if you do, then you're beginning to neutralize the habit of insecurity. And you're beginning to replace it with a new habit of self-trust. So if you're doing the same old, same old, and you're expecting different results, that's neurotic thinking. So how about we do something different? How about we start risking self-trust? How about we start risking the fact that we have a choice not to be led around like a dog on a leash? Stop being compliant to the insecurity that's pulling on that leash. You're not a doggy. I don't mean to insult anybody, but it's just a metaphor. <laughs> I have to be careful. I don't know. But anyway, dig your heels in. And if you're a dog, dig your paws in and start resisting that tug of insecurity and start to develop a new habit. All habits are learned. So start learning to self-trust. And you will have a different, happier, more successful life. Hey, doesn't get any better than that, Brad. So listen, why don't you, uh, if you have a moment, check out my website, selfcoaching.net. You can reach me there. And, and I have to be totally honest with you. It's a little difficult coming up with topics every week. Give me some give me some feedback. Give me some suggestions for some titles you'd like me to go over. And you can reach me through the contact section of my website. And in the meantime, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle, well, it's not an option. And by definition, victims are powerless and you're not powerless. So everything's hard until you make it simple. So join me every week. What do you say we make it simple together? Believe in yourself. Reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender. There is more than it seems. Hold on and fight. Follow your heart. This is your way. Life is what you make of it. Believe in yourself. Reach out for your dreams Don't surrender